This is Binod Shankar. You're listening to Real Finance Mentor podcast from the realfinancementor.com. The Real Finance Mentor is your go-to resource for insight and inspiration on careers in finance, CFA, and more. I would think, why this podcast? Well, my goal is to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance career by making it one relatable. This is not theoretical stuff. We zero in on the critical, practical issues. Number two, authentic. No bullshit. No sidestepping. The topics, guests, and questions are all from that perspective. And number three, take a chartered accountant, CFA charter holder, add 17 plus years as a corporate warrior, mix in 10 years of entrepreneurship, during a decade of full-time CFA training, add speaking, mentoring, cycling, and mountaineering, and that's me. Welcome to the Real Finance Mentor, or as I call it, RFM. Hi everyone, this is Binod Shankar here with the Real Finance Mentor podcast. And as usual, we aim to deliver insight and inspiration for your finance careers. And today I have with me someone I've known quite well, that I like and respect, and uh, who can uh, deliver a lot of value to youngsters looking to rise in their financial careers. I'm going to talk today to Fadi El Said, CFA. Now, Fadi El Said is a Managing Director with Lazad uh, Asset Management in, in Dubai. But before I go into the conversation with him, let me talk about his um, resume. Quite an impressive resume, actually. Education, University of Jordan, BSc in Economics, followed by MBA from Cass Business School uh, in Finance. And then, of course, a stellar career in Asset Management. He was an investment officer with Arab Bank and then head of research with Bank Al Jazeera before he moved to becoming a senior investment manager with Damak Invest. And then he moved to NBD Investment Bank, where he was Director Asset Management. He rose even further to work with ING Investment Management as Senior Fund Manager and Head of Investments. And he was Lead Manager of the ING MENA Fund. And also Director of the Fund Manager and Head of MENA uh, and Frontier Equities. In 2014, he moved from ING to Lazard, where he is right now the Managing Director and heads the MENA equity fund. Welcome to the show, Fadi. Thank you for having me, Vinod. It's a it's pleasure. pleasure having you. Yeah. It's a pleasure having you. Now, tell me, when I googled Fadi Al-Said on <laughs> yesterday, a few days ago, you were linked to Nancy Ajram, this famous, famous oh uh, Lebanese singer. Is it true? Is there a connection? <laughs> I hope, it's, I hope there's, it's, it's just you're joking, man. I hope you're joking. <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't think so. I don't, not, not, to my, not to my knowledge. Man, you look glamorous. I mean, <laughs> imagine being connected to Nancy Ajram. You know, I wish I was in, those, in, those, in that category. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so thank you for coming to the show. And um, I've got a whole list of questions to ask you. Of course. Very impressive career. Very impressive background. Uh, what you achieved. And I'm sure lots of youngsters who are either uh, planning a career in investment management or planning to do the CFA or doing the CFA or maybe a CFA charter holder would benefit from your experience, right? So I'm going to ask you one question, which I'm sure you've been asked before. Why did you choose a career in investments of all the fields that you had before you? Why? Well, I think I think it's just... Um... And before going into maybe the, the reasons that you know, developed, I actually, as I worked further, I started to realize more and more the reasons and why it matched my personality. I think I was always attached to this kind of uh, very kind of fast-paced moving uh, workspace. I remember when I used to watch the, t- the news uh, when I was a kid with my father, and then the, the economy part came and they just showed these kind of people 
like panic panicking and, and using their phones and shouting at each other i always was intrigued by this kind of fast kid man i know, yeah, I know it's, it's it, it was always interesting and i always had this question why are these guys like they're, like they're shouting and what what kind of excitement they have every day so this is i think where i i think the, i was very curious to know more about it and i have to say that i was fortunate enough to be given an opportunity to be in this field mm. but i think what attracts me the most to this is uh, is the fact that i i don't like a kind of a routine job where mm. you come do the same thing every day and then you wait for 3 4 years to to be able to get an opportunity to do something else the kind of the, the fact that you're working investment means you you get to learn about industries mm. you get to know about what works what does not work Uh, you're always up to what's happening in the world. What's the latest investment trends? Uh, you meet a lot of people. You you this develops a lot of skills. I would say in social and soft uh, skills in terms of uh, I, uh, trying reading body languages, uh, being being uh, dealing with people, presenting to people, uh, getting to ask uh, you know successful successful investors successful. Uh, officers and company how they build their businesses this kind of exposure just in a way gives you it's it's just you get to learn a lot and the learning kind of curve is very steep mm-hmm. and this is something that i believe it just suits me mm-hmm. uh, it suits me just i i'm always like intrigued to know more about industries i always like to know how did these guys manage to do this so i'm very fortunate to be in a sector where you have you're actually mm-hmm. you in a way it it just it, it embodies and it yes. magnifies these these right. and this is i think the, the most important thing and i always realize how fortunate i am to be in the sector yeah, yeah. interesting when i was looking through your resume fadi you know right from when you were arab bank which was like what 1998 to where you are now in 2020 what 22 years you have been in investment management you know uh, this is rare by the way especially in this region where specialization is so difficult and Uh, and very few people actually manage to stay in one area they keep jumping from investment management maybe to investment banking maybe to private banking you know you don't see a coherent uh, what do you call career path mm-hmm. how did you manage that i, I it's it's see, it's it's very hard uh, for someone to say that i've actually structured my Planet career from st- the beginning <laughs> it's you have to be fortunate mm. uh, sometimes the the right things happen at the at the right time and you're there and uh, you jump at the opportunity right. but i would say that uh, from from the beginning of my career i always was involved in a decision making part of the investment process mm-hmm. which is which is being a part of uh, a career that actually results in you doing the work and eventually taking a call right uh, what to invest in how to invest in so i think this always and when i when i started in this career it was just a nascent industry in the mm-hmm. region mm-hmm. so there was i would say more freeway more more uh, more flexibility in you pushing for certain directions so so can i say that you almost grew with the sector i actually i was fortunate to say that i i i, I when i started my career i actually came bef- exactly before the dot com crash right so there was a lot of lessons to learn from that mm-hmm. then i actually was lucky enough to to be part of the beginning of the what you call the 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 growth and mm-hmm. the serious growth that happened in in the mina specifically gcc market so i was part of the a boom and bust that followed that then the financial crisis so 
there's I, I was I would say part of the early right. um, uh, the kind of early I would say institutionalization of this industry where mm. you started to see more bigger investment companies and and, and and bigger role of asset management and more institutional asset management in the region so you were able to ride the wave so to speak uh, I, I I was exposed <laughs> to it I, I I was exposed to it and it yeah. was a very very important learning uh, that uh, curve that shaped my career and investment philosophy I have to say right. So we'll come back to the career part uh, soon, uh, Fadi. But I want to talk about the education part, right, specifically. So let's go back to the education, which is, of course, you have an MBA from CAS Business School and you have a CFA charter. By the way, which one came first, the CFA or the MBA? Uh, the CFA came before the MBA. Before the MBA. Yeah. So let's talk about CFA first. Let's go in the right order, right? Sure. Why did you pick CFA? Uh, and very importantly, what are the lessons and challenges you, you learned along the way? See, I think uh, I think one of you know there's I think there's a lot of common reasons mm. why would anyone go for the CFA. I mm. think the fact that the CFA is a well-recognized, uh, well-respected brand. I think the most prestigious certificate in the finance is known is a con- consensus. Sure. Now these are the things that are common between every. If you ask this question, I think you have the same answer. For me, I think. Uh, my experience in in the sector usually when I realized when you have the three letters on your card or on your CV that means that you save a good chunk or a good part of of the interaction that you need right. to prove that you know what a DCF is. Certain things but, are taken care of. Yes. <laughs> so the, I would say the the finance the finance compete, competency mm. and, and the fact that you are aware of the infrastructure or the tools you require uh, for you to be an analyst or a manager or an investment banker are there. Mm. So this clears a good part of of that. I think it's also, uh, for me, it's always part of the learning. Mm. Uh, As you know, I I graduated from from economics. So I, of course, had exposure to finance, but I wasn't specialized in finance. So I thought it would be a very important incremental addition to to, to my education and just solidifying my my finance kind of skills and tools. Right. And of course, now the exam part, the level one, two, and three. If you remember anything about the exam, which I'm sure was a long time ago, but how was your journey? Challenges, resolutions? Tell me more about it. Yeah, I think. See, I, I started uh, the CFA. I already had a family. I mm. was I was already working, and of course, you know, working in this field, you mean it's long hours, uh, very limited time for you to have to 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 be able to do uh, other than work or other than family related stuff. Okay. Uh, I think, and sometimes I think about it. Did I really study this hard? <laughs> did I actually? Did it take me? I, I just I cannot sometimes it, imagine the amount of. Stu- it happens to me as well. Yes, when I teach classes, yeah. I'm like, did I really study this? I must have studied this. It's 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 really. I and mean, when you go back, I just thank God that I had uh, enough kind of energy and, and kind of consistency to do yeah, it because yeah. it required consistency. It's a long process, uh, but I think. It's just I needed to do it, and I I, I thought like it's a good complement to what I do, uh, and uh, I remember it was, it it was like, it took I had dedicated three hours every day, uh, two to three hours every day, and of course with uh, weekends I didn't do anything, but uh, it just it's been consistent. I finished level one and level two, mm-hmm. then I took a break. And I think I finished level three, maybe three years after that, okay. for because I was involved in a in a major kind of uh, there was a career change mm-hmm. and there was a lot of uh, a lot of things happening. So I took a break, but it it requires uh, it's doable. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's 
hard or challenging. It's all about consistency and dedication. And anybody with a normal IQ, I think, mm-hmm. uh, I think can do a CFA if he has the consistency. And of course, obvious question I'm going to ask you, obvious question, has it helped you in your career? It definitely helped. I, I wouldn't say that yeah. it was it was a reason for any uh, job I got or okay. a kind of a promotion I got or no. a kind of a career even or a changing a company I worked for. Never. I don't think it was a critical factor. But mm. what I think how it helped me, it really gave me a lot of tools. Mm. And uh, it's all about getting more and more tools in this sector. And the more tools you get, the more... Uh, ability you have to shape and and and, and reach and, you know your own investment philosophy or your own investment kind of persona. Correct. So it definitely gave me a lot of tools that sharpened my skills that helped me in reaching. I would say, uh, helped me make better investment decisions, mm. helped mm. me shape a better investment process. So definitely, I look at it as a very very important tool, very important mm. uh, tool. And maybe even Fadi for investors and clients when they see Fadi and say it's CFA. Maybe for them also it is a bit of reassurance that, you know, we have a guy who knows this handling our money, I mean, in a way, from the institutional perspective, you know. I, so. I, I totally think that is the case, especially that, as I said, CFA is a well-known brand. Mm-hmm. And one of the also key aspects about the CFA is not only about the financial uh, skills that you get or the knowledge. It's also now the focus on ESG. Yes. And CFA, whether it's through a lot of the uh, you know events they do and three, the ethics part that is uh, everyone who studies CFA ethics is very yes. important. And yes. and actually, uh, the fact that also the CFA Institute pushes its 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 uh, you know members to always look to improve the markets, to always mm. look to improve the practices, and to enhance mm. uh, and, and and push for more efficiency and more transparency. This is something that also clients appreciate. They know that you have you understand your fiduciary duty they Correct. know that it's within your guidelines it's what you signed for as as is, is actually to to work in your client's interest to look for uh, more in uh, enhancement more mm-hmm. transparency mm-hmm. more visibility efficient market ethics better corporate governance these are now increasingly important with clients Correct. so i yeah. think definitely it enhances and improves this for yeah. sure yeah, i agree with you yeah so that was the end of the CFA journey. And then, of course, you did this prestigious uh, MBA in finance from Cass Business School, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me more. So what was the motivation for an MBA, especially after you've just finished a grueling, what do you call, a very relevant qualification for investment, i.e. CFA? What made you go into MBA and what are the lessons you learned from MBA when you came out of it? You know, when I started my MBA, I was, you know, some people asked me, usually mm-hmm. we take an MBA because... You know, it's it just maybe uh, maybe lays the ground for you to make a bigger shift in your career. Right. At that time, I was, I was already heading an investment team within ING. Mm. I don't think I was looking for a, a big step. Career forward. boost. Or so honestly, what I wanted, what I wanted to get from from the MBA is to increase my exposure in terms of networking with people from different sectors yeah. and uh, so I was looking for, for the main reason I wanted to do the MBA is to first of all freshen up my uh, my uh, my kind of exposure to some uh, subjects like marketing like right. uh, uh, management strategy so it's mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. also 
part of the continuous education and most importantly networking and meeting people from different industries which I'm glad to say that I ended up with very close friends till now okay. so it's something that also added uh, you I learned from a lot of people from very well experienced people from different sectors uh, you shared experiences you worked with teams uh, you were exposed to case studies that also enriches your ability to make better decisions and to be exposed to some interesting challenges in different aspects. So it's it's just trying to complement uh, mm. a set of skills, not to only be focused on finance, but to have these other soft skills and other exposures that I think are also very important. So it's a very complementary set of qualifications. You have this technical depth from CFA, right, and the tools and techniques, and then you have the overlay of, uh, how do you say, management skills, leadership skills, uh, networking, uh, alumni network, uh, which you are from the MBA. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So, so now that you talked about skills, I want to talk about something very important, right? You obviously have hired lots of people, you have mentored people uh, uh, as an analyst, um, junior managers along the way. Now, what are the three top skill gaps you see in young finance professionals? Because we talked about that before the interview, right? Mm. What I mean, what do you look for in people you hire, mm. and, and why? Uh, so, what do you look for? What, what's the what's the secret sauce of working at Lazard with you? Now, I think uh, that's a very interesting question, and I maybe we have this discussion. You know, it's always a debate. Right. How do you reach? You know, the, the the kind of shortest of sample of of candidates that are actually are in line. Uh, with what you're looking for. I wouldn't say that there's right or wrong or mm-hmm. there's a kind of a secret formula. I think there's more of a, a, a tech... There's a part that I think you will see uh, a big overlap between all companies, mm-hmm. that there's a specific uh, uh, skill sets you require to do a specific job. CFA, of course, helps you knowing that this guy knows what he's talking about, the education. Uh, there's certain things that I think that you need to have. I wouldn't say that it's a must, the CFA, for instance, yes. for you to get, but I would say that it helps. Mm. So the part relating to skills and, and, and tools and education is important, but they are not what actually determines uh, uh, how to pick uh, a candidate. Uh, the most important thing I have to say for us is, is someone uh, that fits uh, the investment culture Mm-hmm. and the team uh, kind of unity mm-hmm. uh, because we operate usually in small teams so it's very important for you to pick someone that shares similar kind of I would say uh, direction or characteristics because you want to keep the unity and, and the synergy between the team right. so for instance uh, what what applies for our team might not apply no, no, no. for other teams so what, what do you what do you look well, for well, okay yes. so so you, for, from terms of personal traits yeah. we look for for instance Humility, uh, independence, uh, consistency. Uh, you know, and, and when I say indep- independence and consistency, they are very important. You need the ability to be independent and have an independent view that is mm-hmm. not really uh, influenced by what the market thinks, what the sell side thinks, what other investors think. This is a very, very critical um, uh, thing that we look for uh, in, in, in candidates. Uh, you will see humility. Unfortunately, you know, our sector, uh, finance, banking, it's usually not known for. Uh, it's not known. It. Yeah, it's usually. <laughs> I would say the ego part is a little bit on the higher exactly. side. Exactly. So I would say that you will see. I think that, uh, for instance, when it comes to our team on the Lazar, there's a lot of humility. Uh, there's it's it's low profile. You don't see us making a lot of noise. Um, 
and this is something that uh, we look for and when because especially in the market when you're dealing with the market some ego sometimes or if you have a successful bet sometimes it creates this uh, your your sense mm. that you are in control and no one is in control of the markets even the best investors will have their lessons thinking that you're a genius you know? and that's that's <laughs> the, that's actually and sometimes you have to take serious reality checks within the market to realize that you need to to have to be very uh, to to have this humility and to be able to accept that you made a mistake or to accept your defeat and learn from it right so this is the most important thing i look for so so independence of thought agreed humility and and and, and an ego that is well managed mm. um Apart from the CFA, what else do you look for? Uh, consistency. I highlighted consistency. Mm, mm. See, consistency is the secret recipe for successful investment. So, what do you mean by consistency? Consistency. Exactly. I'll give you an example. Mm. Uh, Mr. Warren Buffett. Mm. By no means, I'm trying to even yeah. benchmark. Nobody can. <laughs> but, but if you look at his investment discipline, or you look at how he picks a company, anyone with finance or one on one can easily understand his approach, can easily look at the financial metrics he uses. You know what people, why people fail in, in, in actually following Buffett? Because they're not consistent enough. Mm. Because nobody follows the same thing over and over and over again. And no matter what people claim about consistency, it varies the levels of consistency. Discipline. Discipline and consistency is the hardest. Independence, discipline, consistency. I would say the hardest mm. things to find in, in investment professionals these days. I would say there's a lot of factors. Of course, Warren Buffett manages manages more sticky money. He is able to do that. When you're managing clients' money, usually you have to. There's other factors to look for. But at least the intention mm. to be independent, consistent, and disciplined is is very very critical. I, right. I think. Right. Right. So independence, consistency, humility, lack of an ego. In fact, when I came into your office, and I mentioned it to you before the interview, right? I was struck by how low profile the Lazard office are. And then I asked you, it's very important, is there a global Lazard culture? And you said that there was. Yes. Can you talk briefly about that? Yeah, I would say, uh, you know, from my interactions with a lot of teams, mm. my interaction with the emerging market teams, which I'm part of, you, you can easily notice that they all, the, the humility is something you can easily say there. Mm. And even I, I for instance, uh, my boss, uh, James Donald, for instance, who is who's known to be one of the, you know, uh, key people. If you talk about emerging markets, and he's he's just uh, his humility and his like, I would say, uh, low profile is is striking. Mm, mm, uh, mm. The fact uh, that, that the fact that it, it's it's just something that uh, it 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 it. Uh, it's really something that you can notice and something even a lot of people who deal with these investment teams can notice. I'll say humility, uh, the focus. Also, I mentioned to you that mm. you know, people tend to stay longer with, with the company. Yes. And this, in a way, created or rooted this culture, uh, the investment culture and also the culture of the, of the, of the company. Uh, so even when you look at... Uh, consistency and the, the focus on, on fundamentals. You see the ability, the fact that also we as a house, we deal with more inst mainly institutional clients who tend to have longer term horizons. That means that mm. also you have ability to be consistent, true, more true. independent and more disciplined. Uh, and the fact that a lot of the uh, strategies also are focused on uh, long term, long -term focused, right. very, very, very disciplined to their mm. investment process. Uh, it's actually yeah. something that is very common. And also, 
uh, what also something that you 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 don't find other asset managers is we don't have a CIO mm. in the company. Mm. Mentioned that, yeah. and and that means we don't have a unified view. It's deliberate, you said, right? It's deliberate also for for, for other teams to have the independence. So mm. this actually even pushes for more independent, mm. more conviction. Mm. So you see, this also opens uh, more room for debate right. between, between research, between other teams, and of of course, when you have debate, conflicting views, you learn. Mm. Mm. Uh, you learn. You you sometimes you hi- you get to know something you're not aware of, and, and this is enriches also your ability right. to make better decisions and better investment decisions. Right. So so now, for example, assuming that I'm a, I'm a fresh CFA charter holder or a CFA candidate, and I come to you, Binod Shankar, mm. I'm applying for a job at Razad. And you have in your mind all this, you know, confidence, independence, humility, skepticism. How do you test for this? How do you assess me for these things? I mean, how, how are you going to know whether Binod Shankar is really worth getting into uh, Lazard? It's, there's never, nothing better than a face-to-face interview. Mm. The problem is you have to have a specific screening method to be able to shortlist people. So maybe the first maybe level of, of screening would be just to make sure the guy has what it infrastructure of what it, what, what it takes to become an investment professional. CFA is part of it, not necessarily the main part, but mm. part of it, the education, maybe the internship, the experiences, the way he position he communicates his, his, his CV. Uh, I, I wouldn't say that you have to write essays on who what you want to do and what you aspire for, because sometimes you overdo it. And in a way, like it seems like a little bit pretentious. So, uh, I especially on this level, I always appreciate a very kind of straight to the point uh, CV that highlights your objectives, what you've done, what you want to achieve, and very brief kind of uh, communication because you have to take into consideration that no one is going to read honestly. If you have a thousand CVs, you're not going to read six pages CVs, right. 6,000 pages. Right. So, 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 right. so, I have, so, so I've given you a CV, mm-hmm. it's concise, it's comprehensive, mm-hmm. uh, you spoke to me on the phone, good communication mm-hmm. skills, clear. So I'm now at the interview table with you. Okay, before talking on the phone, okay. so we, as we said, we screen for uh, qualified CVs in right. terms of skills. Yes. And then I think there's an important level that as we speak, we're trying to finalize and formulate, and it, because it evolves all the time, is to have some kind of a set of subjective questions mm-hmm. that you send to them that does not have right or wrong answers, yeah. that you give them a, a leeway to add. So, so give me an example. Examples. Uh, there's a lot of it. <laughs> Yeri, for instance, I, I, I would ask a question, for instance. I would, I would put uh, a painting mm-hmm. and I would say, what do you see in this painting? Okay. Uh, see. And what are you expecting? So that's that's a very important. So I, I I'm not going to say what I'm expecting because maybe it's going to be a question. <laughs> right. But I'll give you an example. For instance, a bottom liner mm. will have a different answer. A guy who like to to go around the subject. Mm. Uh, a pretentious guy will have a different answer from an independent guy. Mm. And there are some very interesting findings you'll see when you ask these kind of questions, very vague, uh, subjective, open questions. You just uh, you let uh, you let uh, you let give them space to express themselves, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a good tool for you to see who's pretentious, mm. who's genuine, uh, who's himself. See, the most important thing you you need to be yourself. Correct. So yeah. sometimes you can you can just give me maybe three letter three letters, but just one sentence and answer. Okay. Because this is what you feel like answering, and it just can be it clicks. Okay. 
so so i'm through the cv i'm through your <laughs> tough five or six questions you know the painting answer suppose mm-hmm. i give the right answers i'm clear so now the next step as in is interview right yes. so what are you assessing well i know what you're assessing me for uh, you probably will tell me mm-hmm. but what how do you go about it are you going to do ask them to do case studies or uh, evaluations or writing a report or interviews of course i mean i, I usually uh, see uh, so after so the second the, after we finish the second part yes. i i would say that we have reached a good idea about this candidate in terms of there's there's a lot of things now a wealth of questions that you'd mm-hmm. like to ask mm-hmm. and maybe the final part is seeing how this uh, the interaction relating to certain questions uh, how he portrays himself mm-hmm. how he presents himself uh, and sometimes you, in, in interviews sometimes you put some pressure yes to see how and, and it's, it's not like to 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 grill anyone but just you put some pressure to see the conviction because i i see a lot this is a recommendation or like advice if you believe in something don't change it because someone is pressuring mm-hmm. if you believe in it you believe in it nobody will uh, maybe not but i think for us at least we will we 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 want you to be yourself we want yeah. you to have a conviction and actually we look people with conviction that can stand up for the conviction and the last step after doing that assuming now we have a pretty good idea we, he's qualified in terms of skills mm-hmm. He has shown some kind of three uh, characteristics that are in line with what we're looking for in the interview. It confirmed our view. Then it's very important to have to have a. We like to have to meet all in, uh, the, the team. Team members and mm. all the team should say mm. yes. Makes sense yeah. because he's going to work with a small team, and he needs to be. There needs to be the chemistry. Uh, there needs to be the kind of synergy. So it's important for all the team members to say yes. So so I know a lot of things we talked about are mix of traits and skills right it's not it's not as straightforward but for someone who is looking to enter the investment management industry whether with Lazard or anybody else like you said some of the criteria used are probably common across other mm-hmm. asset management houses what should he be doing before he even applies apart from the CFA journey of course okay i would if see if and this is something that usually you will see if mm-hmm. someone has a passion for it you will see that he is very very uh, involved and busy in being up to date what's happening in the world he might even have his own portfolio, portfolio yeah. he might have his own model portfolio he has already made you don't have to have a job to do mm. to cover a company no, by no, the way you no. see you see com- people who are actually you know covered companies and did research because they like it mm. uh, I, i would expect there's wealth of information now with podcast of course you're adding to this to this mm. huge library that's growing There's a lot of uh, like books and experiences from successful investors. I would advise everyone to read books for great investors. Uh, to to read about investment bubbles, crashes, what mm. caused them. This is enriches your investment personality. Mm. Uh, so, so rather than saying I'm passionate about finance, which every Tom, Dick, and Harry likes to say, I'm yeah. passionate about finance. Well, show me what you have done. Exactly. Or show me what you have read. <laughs> you see, proactiveness in this sector is very key. Uh, mm. key. And no one develops yourself rather than you. Yes. Uh, you could have a great mentor. It helps working for a good company. It helps, but. believe me if you if you if, if, the, you have wealth of information that you can develop yourself mm-hmm. and you can bridge any gap uh, in experience if you're actually uh, put an extra effort fair enough so now we talked about education we talked about the career part and uh, and, and the skills required how people can fill, fill the gaps so let's get back to you now 
Um, we met about eight years ago, and then we met again a year ago, and I noticed that you had made a significant change in your lifestyle. And because I'm so much, as you know, very much into health and fitness and, and things like that, uh, what triggered you to l lose weight and live healthy? And very importantly, because again, going back to this whole Warren Buffet and consistency thing, right? How did you stick to it? Excellent. That's a very interesting <laughs> question. Yeah, I just have to say, uh, just maybe to quantify this. Okay. So I lost uh, close to 54 kilos over over uh, the, the biggest chunk over nine months when I started in 2014. So if I take a step back, yeah. Yeah. I always like to have targets in my life and okay. put a timeline for it. So I always had, because I let myself go, I always had a kind of healthier life. Mm. I always went to the gym, but I let, in a period of my life, I let myself go. So I gained significant weight. I reached 127 kilos. I, wow. didn't, I didn't exercise. And then I think uh, I had this uh, targets. One of them was like, finishing the CFA. Then I wanted to do the MBA. Then I realized what's the next target that I realized. And actually this is something that I was still young and mm. I'm losing track of my health. Uh, so the realization is that I, I have a lot of stakeholders in my life. I have mm. my kids. I have I owe them a lot. So I need to care, take care of my health. So the main driver was just being healthy. Mm. And this coincided also with the move to Lazard. So it was a new beginning. Okay. So usually when you do a big kind of move, you, yeah. it, it gives you some kind of uh, uh, some energy to do changes. So I, I, this was the catalyst. I would say also, not to mention that going up the stairs uh, also and feeling like I'm out of breath just Correct. going once. Yes. It's actually, this not is like, nice. this is not uh, the right thing. So yeah. so this is actually was uh, coincided all together and decided to make a drastic move. Now, once you do this, it's not a diet you stick to. It's a lifestyle change. Correct. And what I, thank God, what I managed to do is a lifestyle change that mm. I'm sticking to and I'm happy with. And I, it's going to be very hard for me to go back to the old habits now. Mm -hmm. uh, so I have a healthier, I wouldn't say that a perfect, healthy, fit life, but at least I try to have a healthy. Uh, so overall now I lost, as I said, for 54 kilos. Right. And I feel much better, uh, thank God. It's quite admirable because you travel a lot. Uh, I mean, locally as well as regionally, and and uh, conferences, and you have a hectic lifestyle, and yet you you know you manage to keep this, which I keep telling people, right? There's no excuse for not uh, sort of having a proper lifestyle and not taking care of your health, especially since it will pay dividends in the long term. And if you, if you believe in investments, mm -hmm. you're investing in your health at at, at a younger age, so to get the benefits later in life, so yeah. you don't have to suffer in a way. Yes, yeah. uh, I I totally agree. It's uh, as I said, part of consistency yes. and dedication is. Okay, you travel, so I'm sure you're going to have time. There's jet lag. Right. You go to the U.S., you wake up early in the morning, you can go to the gym. Uh, you can run around the park. You, there's a lot of things you can do even while traveling. Uh, so I don't think... I, I used to do that as an excuse before, but now I don't think it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a valid excuse. You can right. always find some time to do, to do some... To, to move around. Right, uh, right. Or also, also you, I'm not saying that you always have to eat healthy. You can always have the nice no, meals, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's all about... Portioning it, timing it, and managing it. Moderation. So, uh, so it's so so it's the key now. Is I'm not on a diet now. I live normally. I eat normally. I go to the gym, uh, but I everything is in moderation. Fantastic. Well, so talking about uh, self development, I know you're a guy who likes to learn and to change, and you don't like uh, you like variety. Mm. So. What self-development project are you working on right now? I mean, I'm sure you're working on something. Uh, so tell me about it. Uh, Career-wise, uh, we are working on, an, we're trying and we're, we're 
we're uh, on in the, in process of developing an interesting strategy okay. that, as I mentioned, is in, in line with our mission to improve markets, improve corporate, corporate governance. So I would say, and it's in the same mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, it a, is it an ESG on those lines? Or? It's, I, 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 I will I will talk about it in time, <laughs> but it's 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 something that is uh, not been tapped okay. on on public markets. I have to say that okay. we're very excited about. Uh, personally, I would say that uh, that's that's all my focus now is try to uh, to develop this because okay. it requires a lot of work. It took a lot of work also, right. and and, and right. I'm in the middle of this now. That's mm-hmm. my target, and that's mm-hmm. my focus. Right. Uh, of course, and some business targets that we're mm-hmm. trying to achieve. And thank God we've achieved the five-year business plan, and in a very tough, very tough environment. Mm-hmm. But so far, mm-hmm. it's been it's been uh, in line with our expectations, even better. And uh, three lessons on career and life. I know it's a big one, but still, you know, given given that you have experienced a lot and seen a lot, what would you advise youngsters, you know, who are listening to this podcast? Just three lessons, three or three tips from your side. I would say set clear targets with clear timelines and write them down. Uh, and then when you identify them, write the tools that you need, write the skills and the steps you need to make to achieve them. Mm. Believe me, it makes all the difference. Um, and I, I I always urge people to be who they are be yourself uh, you spend I always tell the guys you know if you remove the time you sleep in your life you spend almost 70% of your time awake in your work True. so if you're not yourself and, and you're not like what you do and you don't have the passion of what you do and you're not being yourself it's a horrible life to live True. so be yourself uh, be consistent with that uh, don't change yourself according to uh, a job or mm. uh, for anyone mm. uh, just be yourself uh, be consistent with yourself so setting your goals mm. being yourself and I would say it always it always uh, be passionate about what you do what you like right. do what yeah. you're passionate about yeah don't be driven by money mm. or don't be driven by a monetary pace mm. because uh, I, I think that you're doing what you like being passionate about I you know it's it's said in a very vast way everyone is passionate apparently about what they do uh, but I, 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 I think if you do that out of passion you'll be happy and happiness is, is the ultimate target of what we do you want absolutely. to be happy yeah absolutely well unfortunately we come to the end of this very interesting chat uh, thank you so much Fadi for making the time for this uh, very insightful and uh, fascinating review of your career and uh, perspectives on opportunities uh, and skills and skills gaps. Uh, it's been nice having you on the show. And interestingly, as, as usual, I always find out something new about my guest uh, <laughs> when, I, when I interview them. Like I'm related to Nancy Azram, for instance. <laughs> exactly. I never knew that you were related to Nancy Azram. Welcome just for, just for the record, I am not related to her. <laughs> Thank you so much, Fadi. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Thank you. It's a pleasure. This podcast was brought to you by The Real Finance Mentor. Thank you so much for listening. I really hope you found it insightful and inspirational. If you did enjoy this episode, please drop us a review and spread the word. And be sure to check out more exclusive content on therealfinancementor.com and my LinkedIn profile, which is Binot Shankar CFA. Let's keep in touch. Just add your name to the mailing list on therealfinancementor.com and we'll tell you about new episodes, plus book reviews, upcoming events and blogs. Till the next time, onwards and upwards.